0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Connects podcast. Today I'm here with Sarah Granados. She's a field applications engineer in the EMEA region. Uh, she's visiting all the way from Spain. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So the big thing I want to talk about today is your role, field applications engineer, what that means and try and understand, you know, like a day in the life of your role here at RTI. So in order to kick things off, can you tell me what a typical day is like being an FAE um, in EMEA?
1: The way I like to explain my job is I like to explain things to technical people. That's my role, basically. I go I get in with the salesperson and they explain the business and how what RTI is and what we do, but I have to go and talk to the technical person in the room and explain them how the technology that we have can be applied to their problem and actually understand their problem and review with them if the technology fits or not. That's basically my goal. I have to decide if we can solve their problems.
0: Right. And normally do they reach out to you or do we reach out to them and maybe we can see from afar that they could benefit from DDS? How does that normally work?
1: So it's really funny because sometimes they start explaining the problem, like you run into them in a show or uh, you see their problems and say, like, we could help you so much, but that they don't want to come to us. They don't want to explain uh, to us or they have other technologists. There are always political reasons to do things, mm-hmm. so they don't always go with the best technology. Uh, they go with the one that fits better within their company. But usually we get a lot of leads in Europe. We are really lucky. The person-to-person works really well in Europe. If you're in a team and the technology works, then you share that with other teams and we get a lot of people coming to us that way.
0: So that's kind of like, those are potential customers, but you also work with existing customers. Do you work with more than the other or is it pretty equal?
1: So as pre-sales, I tend to spend more time with prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also work, so half of my time I'm in pre-sales and the other half, I'm uh, focusing on automotive now. I'm helping RTI in the pre-sales and early stages of our customers when they start using DDS for, pre- for automotive. So uh, a lot of my time is actually with existing automotive customers as well.
0: Okay. So I know you're located in Spain, but travel all over Europe. You mentioned automotive, but uh, aside from that, what are some of the big IoT buzzwords in Europe right now? Like, wh- what are people excited about, and what are some of the hottest applications uh, in this region?
1: So I travel a lot to Germany, actually, and then uh, a lot of things there. It's automotive, uh, a lot of driving things, trucks, mm-hmm. cars, buses, all that stuff. Uh, we have a lot of projects also in avionics, uh, a lot of them, and the common war between all of them is security. Everybody it's Uh, realizing that you need security to communicate with other systems. Mm -hmm. So when you have your isolated system, you are okay not having a very tough security. But as you move, talk to other systems and subsystems between each other, it's when you actually need to have security and to be able to control the security of your system.
0: Are these prospects all trying to do something autonomously that they need security for?
1: Doesn't have to be autonomous. So the common pattern that I see between all of them is a distributed system. Mm. You have a lot of modules that need to talk to each other and you don't want to be tying your application to one deployment. You want to be able to be flexible, and the same deployment applied to different sites, to different hardware, to different locations. That's the common thing, right? You don't want everything tied together in a single deployment.
0: Right. And I think this is actually a good transition for this next question. And this is a dumbed down version of what probably really happens. But when you talk to them and they say, hey, I need this from you. Can you make this happen? What is that that they're talking about? I know that's oversimplified. Can you kind of dive a little deeper and explain what that process is like?
1: They usually have a small problem that they need to solve to prove internally what they have, that the the technology that we have is going to solve their bigger problem. And what I try to go is go and understand the bigger problem because that is where we can help them most. And what they ask me is, hey, I have data that need to be sent with this performance, can you achieve that? But I also need security, and I also need... And it's a lot of uh, different requirements that need to come together to one technology. And there are not many technologies out there that you can have different requirements and adapt them to different applications as you go. And the advantage of, of DDS is you can do that customization. I always say that it's easy to sell a technology that you believe in. I really believe in what we do because I've been... I mean, more than four years in sales and almost nine years in RTI. And I've seen so many problems solved with our technology. And so whenever they come to a new problem, I just listen to them and say, OK, I can solve that, or I cannot, or let's figure it out. My main job is that, understand their problems.
0: Is there ever a time where they say, hey, Sarah, this is what we need done. This is the problem we're having. Do you have a solution for this? And then you say, yes we can actually solve 10 of your problems. And they didn't even realize that they had 10 problems.
1: Actually, that's really funny. It happens a lot. Like they have this small problem and they say, hey, can you solve this? Yes, but you are not taking into account that other small thing, that other small thing. And that's part of my job to Mm. help them understand how wide their problem is going to become. Many of my customers mainly in the automotive and all traditional worlds. They are coming from a very traditional architecture, monolithics architecture, and they have they are moving to a distributed system, and they don't know the problems they are going to run into. And that's one of the reasons why they look at us, is because we have experts that has implemented that into a lot of systems.
0: So you mentioned that you've been working with security a lot. Are there ever any common problems you see within these prospects that they're trying to solve with DDS regarding security?
1: So the common problem is that they, most of the time, they don't know exactly which security requirements they have today. Mm -hmm. But they have to be flexible for whatever problems they are coming in the future. They need to be able to secure the system today and still be able to communicate with external applications in a secure way. Or, for instance, you have uh, proprietary stuff in your hardware, in your system, and you don't want anybody else outside to see it, but you want to be able to communicate with everybody that is in the network in a safe way, and only exchanging the exact minimum amount of information that you need to exchange. A funny use case is I was uh, talking to the uh, defense customers, I cannot say names, Mm -hmm. and they were like, yeah, well, we are a European project. We have... 20 different countries that need to talk to each other, but nobody else want to talk to the rest. They have to, but they don't want to share too much. Mm-hmm. So can you give me a solution that I can tune locally so within my system is secure, but then I can tune differently when I need to talk to other countries. Uh, so we can gonna change less, but still be efficient to talk between and collaborate between countries. That's what they needed and that's what we provided them.
0: Right, that seems to go back to the basics of DDS, like publish and subscribe, you know, I wanna know what's going on over here, but I don't want this node over here to know what's happening. You can fine-tune that, and that really comes down to how you configure your QoS settings. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's it. Uh,
0: Okay. So from there, what are the benefits our customers start to see once that technical need has been met?
1: So the first thing that people say is, you just plug things and work. That's that's nice. Whenever a customer comes and says, I just plugged everything and worked, that's great. But then they are... um, they see that a small problem. They have this uh, proof of concept project that they have. And then they want to evolve to a bigger system. And as they are adding uh, new components, they say, oh, OK, I can change this and add, keep adding parts of my system. And the network keeps up. And the hardware keeps up. I'm filtering the information so not everybody receives everything. So I can send more information and then only send when it's needed. So my system scales. And you can make bigger systems. You can keep adding functionality without collapsing your system. That's one of the reasons why they pick us as well.
0: So as the conversation winds down, I'd like to ask you what one of your favorite use cases is uh, that you've encountered, uh, maybe one that potential customers alike could learn something from.
1: Huh? Now you're going to make it half of me. Whichever <laughs> I pick, the others are going to blame me. Oh, you didn't pick <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> well, um, maybe that'll be the sequel to this one. You know, we'll cover <laughs> when we get you back on.
1: So, um, I mean, I remember a very, very cool one. Uh, it's probably not the most challenging technologically, but I, I'm a gamer. I like playing video games, mm-hmm. and we went to visit a customer that they are doing virtual reality games. It's not. Uh, it's one of those that you wear the glasses but you also have a backpack with your computer and you're walking through the room and touching things and you interact with things that you see them differently. Like for instance, I had a pole and I was seeing it as a torch <laughs> and then it was uh, uh, something I had to throw to a partner. So it was two of us walking in the room and passing things around and interacting with the walls and everything in a virtual reality world. Uh, and I loved that one. Right. It was like... I mean, joining my tooth, the two things that I love most is my gaming, uh, stuff and then my job all together in one room. I love that one.
0: So uh, what, what was their problem that they had that DDS was able to solve?
1: So they had, uh, to capture all the sensor information. When you are in a virtual reality place, you have to be able to detect where your hands are, where your feet are. And as you are moving, the rest of the environment has to react to you. So you, um, you have sensors on your hands, sensors on your feet. Uh there are cameras above looking at you. Uh, so when you move, your hand in the uh, virtual reality world moves as your hand. So it's natural. Like I had to they throw me a ball and I had to kick it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to do it because you saw your hands, you saw them moving naturally the way they were moving, and they had to capture all those sensors of movement. Uh and sending through DDS from the cameras to your backpack. So the computer that you had in your back could transform that in a smooth movement and show it in your glasses so you could see your hands at the same time that they were moving.
0: Ah, this seems like a similar use case for autonomous vehicles where you have sensors, LIDAR, radar, and cameras. Is that safe to say?
1: I I feel a bit like um, this actor. I don't remember the name, the... A beautiful mind. I, I see patterns uh, all over around <laughs> myself. That's what's happening. I go to visit a customer, like, oh, you—that's similar to another totally different use case. Like, <laughs> I'm visiting a defense customer, and they are explaining. It's like, hmm, that's like this other truck company I was yesterday. They have exactly the same kind of sensors, the same architecture, and we can solve that problem. And we have done it, so we can have them.
0: I think that's interesting how you can have two completely different industries. However, they're both looking to, to solve a similar problem. Yes. That's great. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Sarah, I want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast and talking a little bit about your role here at RTI. And uh, hope to have you back on soon.
1: Thank you. Okay.